everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Good morning. Good to see you. So we are um, just talking about what, what John called signs. He called them signs. And John said, I'm going to give you seven of them. And I think these seven are, should be enough. They should be enough to convince you that Jesus is who he says he is, who he claimed to be. And so John said, I could have I could have written a bunch more, but, you know, the world wouldn't have been able to contain, you know, the amount of, you know, information and what Jesus did and what Jesus taught, what Jesus showed. So the world wouldn't have been able to contain it all. So John says, I just got to condense it down into seven things. As a matter of fact, John ends his letter and says this. He says, so then many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples. So just, just so you know, the disciples are not just the 12 that they, before we were called Christians, uh, they were called disciples. And so it wasn't just the 12 that Jesus performed many signs, John calls them, uh, but it was multiple, multiple people who saw, you know, Jesus do um, incredible things. He says, which are not written in this book. Then he says in verse 31, he says, but these, these seven signs, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, I heard it, life. Good job. Nice job. Last week, it was a lot of different things, a hope, faith. No, no, it's life, life, life. So, okay, so you're, you're getting ready. You're good. You're a good spot. So, yeah, that's what it is. Life, life, life in, his, in his name. If you can give, put that back up there for me, Jack. So that's what, that's what it's about. It's about having life in his name. It's, it's saying, listen, I, Jesus is going, I, I don't want to just have like life, you know, eternal life. I've got life abundant for you. Like I have a good life, a fulfilling life, a purposeful life, a life that I've got a plan and, a, and, and an agenda for you that is satisfying. That's the kind of life that John is talking about here. He's like, I wrote these so that you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And by the way, Jesus didn't do these signs or do these miracles because he was showing off. Jesus was just trying to show who he was, that he was truly the Son of God. And by believing, you can have life, life right now in his name. So we've been saying, when we talk about this, we've been talking about faith or belief, sort of synonymous with each other, faith or belief. Faith or belief is the evidence of what we've seen, right? So when John, when you talk to John or Peter or James or, or Thomas or any one of the, the, those that were with Jesus at the time, they would tell you that when they, when they talk about faith, it's not necessarily like a feeling. It's not like something that you just kind of muster up and it's kind of like, you know, obscure. That they would say that faith or belief is the evidence of what they've seen. So the reason why they believed that Jesus was the Son of God is based on because of the evidence of what they saw. And the evidence of what they saw was they saw him die. They saw him be buried. And then they saw him rise from the grave. They saw him resurrect. And so anyone, John would say, or Thomas would say, or Peter would say, or and, and many, 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 you know, people would say, Mary, Martha, all the people, they would say, because we believe is because of what we saw and the evidence of what we saw. We saw a resurrected Jesus. That's what we saw. So for us, though, we weren't there to see that. 
And so John is saying, and John alone, his, his writings alone are enough for us. They really are. If you, if you match up John's writing with any other historical writings, um, the, the other historical writings that we would deem as fact any other historical stories or anything that we, you know, in school or educated and we would say, yeah, that, that situation happened, that happened in culture, that war happened. You can match that up with the writings of just John and John's writings far outweigh as far as evidence, as far as resources, and as far as credibility of what actually took place. So John would say, and then also Matthew would say, so we don't even just have John's writings. We have Matthew's writings. We have Mark's writings who got his information from Peter. We have Luke's who said, Luke said, I thoroughly investigated everything. Luke to the T, to every detail, went around and interviewed different people and said, this is what truly happened. And I know it sounds unbelievable, but you can believe it happened. And so John would say, I want you to have confidence in a credible source, that's John, of what we've heard, of what we've heard. So that's kind of what faith is. It's confidence, having confidence in a credible source of what we've heard to be true. So then we said this, we've been saying, belief is something that is built. So John was saying, I want to take these seven signs and I want to just try to build your confidence in Jesus. I want to build your trust in Jesus. I want to build your belief in Jesus and who Jesus is. So that's what we've been doing. We've been trying to, I've been trying to, more importantly, John has been trying to build your trust in Jesus. That if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Jesus follower, you put your faith in the right person. You put your belief in the right person. All right, let's go to sign number six. It starts out by saying this. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Now we said last week that life is hard. Life is hard for this guy, right? And you think you have it tough Imagine what this guy had to go through. Isn't it important to have some perspective though? Isn't it important to see that somebody, and you already know this, somebody has it worse than you, right? So here's Jesus, passes by, sees a man who has been blind from birth. And then verse two, it says this, and as disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would have been born blind. And so at this time, in this culture, they believed that, they had, a, they had a faith-based belief in the fact that if somebody was born and they were dealt a bad hand, if somebody was born and, and they were given this, this terrible thing that, would, that happened to this man, the fact that he was born blind, they believed that it had to have been because he, in his prior life, committed sins or he was a bad person in his prior life. That's what they believed. They believed that people had alt alternate lives and recyclical lives over and over and over and over again. And then prior to this man's life, he was a bad person. Or, or if that wasn't the case, they just believed that there was something that the parents did. 
They're like, this must have been some sort of terrible sin that the parents committed. And now God is punishing their son and causing him to be born blind. That's what they believed. That's what they believed. But here's what Jesus' response is. Jesus answered, it was neither. And now they're perplexed. Like, wait a minute. It wasn't him and it wasn't his parents. Then what was it? Jesus is like, it, wasn't, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, Jesus gives them a whole new category. He's like, I, I want you to see that even sometimes, even sometimes when you are given a bad hand, dealt a bad hand, given a rough start, that you can know, you can know that God always still has a plan. And, and, and here's, a, here's a category for, that only Jesus' followers claim. That God can use our pain for his glory. That God sometimes uses the platform of our weakness to, dis, to display his incredible works. That God oftentimes, that's why Paul said, he said this, he says, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. I'm going to boast, I'm going I'm to celebrate my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ rests on me. So that nobody thinks that anything significant that I do in this life comes from my ability, that it only comes from the ability of a God who loves me. And so maybe this is for you today, that you can know that whatever it is that you were maybe born into or dealt a bad hand or given a tough situation, God's, God's going, I can work with that. I can work with that. I can work with that. I can use your weakness. I can use your pain so that you can show the possibility that there truly is a Jesus who changes things in you. Are you with me, church? Is anybody in the room today? Okay, good. You're like, say something that I can get excited about. Okay, I'll do better. Okay. Now, at this point, at this point, this is probably one of the stories that when the disciples gathered around a campfire, they laughed about. They talked about. They're, you know, they were probably, you know, you can imagine those nights, you know, when they're around the campfire and they're talking about, you know, different things that one of the guys did or gals did and Jesus said. This is probably one of those stories. At this point, here's what happens. When he had said this, he spit on the ground and made mud from the saliva and applied the mud to his eyes. Like, let's pretend for a second that you haven't read this story 10 gazillion times, okay? Is this silly or what? Hey, this is, a, this is, again, this happened, you know, for the first time. You haven't, you've never read this before or, or imagine that you haven't read this before. They're sitting around a campfire. He goes, hey, you remember the time that Jesus just hawked a loogie? <laughs> On the ground? And then he like picked it up and he made mud? And he applied it on the guy's eyes. You see the humor in this or not? Okay, all right. I mean, come on. It's like, wait a second, wait a second. You're like, why would he? Like, first of all, Jesus can make anything out of nothing. He already did that. He made the world, the cosmos, and everything that we, we see around us. He made it by the words of his mouth. 
God made man out of the dirt of the ground. So if you ever feel like you need to get puffed up, guys, just remember where you came from. You're just a big pile of dirt, guys. <laughs> he made a woman from the rib of Adam. You don't think that God can make eyes out of mud from his saliva? This is what Jesus is saying. So then he says, and says to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he left and he washed and he came back seen. He came back seen. Anytime Jesus did a physical miracle like this, here's what we always have to remember. Jesus always had in mind a more spiritual need. He always had in mind something that was spiritual that was actually he would categorize it as more important than your actual physical need. And so Jesus and John called them signs, right? So, so John would, would write these things down, these miraculous signs that took place. But in reality, they were just, they were just object lessons, in reality, they were just metaphors of what Jesus want, wants to do in, inside of us. That, that Jesus is saying, saying listen, I want to use this, this particular story, this particular physical healing as a spiritual lesson that everybody needs to know. And the spiritual lesson that Jesus was teaching that day and the spiritual lesson that Jesus is still teaching to us today is that all of us are born into this world blinded by our sin. And the only way that we can be awakened to the reality of the work of God is that we need Jesus to shine his light into our life so that we can now see. And just like the water uh, that was sent in from a spring into the pool of Siloam, which Siloam means sent. Jesus is saying, I was sent to this world to redeem the world, to bring people that are far from God back to God, to bring people who are once blind and now can See, that's the spiritual lesson that Jesus wants all of us to hear. Is there anybody that can testify to the fact that I was once blind spiritually, but now I can see? Is there anybody here today that can testify? All right, we're getting there. We're getting there. But this is what Jesus is saying. He's going... I want to I show you what I can do for you in your greatest need. And your greatest need is you need a heart change. You need a life change. You were born blind by sin. You need your eyes open to the light of Jesus. So, in other words, in other words, we need our spiritual eyes open to seeing what God sees. We need our spiritual eyes open to seeing what God sees. And here's the truth, okay? Here's the truth. It's true for me, and it's true for you. We all have spiritual blind spots. We all have things when it comes to our walk and our faith and our belief 
where we're blind to, and Jesus is going, I still want to open your spiritual eyes to see what I see. There's a, a lady who wrote a book. It's called uh, Willful Blindness, Margaret Heffernan. And here's what she says about willful blindness, okay? She said this, the biggest threats we face are the ones we don't see. Not because they're invisible, but because we choose to be willfully blind to them. In other words, we have things in our life that we know they're there, but we choose and we willfully are turn, have you ever, you heard this phrase, turn a blind eye to them, right? Uh, for example, for example, we all have times in our life where we're like, I really need to diet, right? I, I need like, and, and, you, and you know, like I gotta, I gotta lose some LBs, right? And you're like, but you know what? I, I, I'm, I still, like one cupcake isn't gonna hurt, right? Like one, you know, piece of pizza or 10 isn't gonna <laughs> make a big difference, right? Like we know, we know we have to make a change and we know that it's a problem. And I don't know, oftentimes we don't, we, we don't choose to deal with something because oftentimes when it comes to life, life is complex and we oftentimes just don't know where to start, you know? We, we sort of like, you know, let things fester for, for too long and we don't know, you know, how to, how to deal with it. You know, sometimes the problems are so big that we just don't, we don't know what to, what to do with it. And so when it comes to anything in life, you know, diet or exercise, you're like, I know I should exercise and, and you know, but I, you know, I don't know, I don't really have the equipment. And I'm like, well, you have that treadmill that you hang all of your laundry on to dry. <laughs> I, well, I don't see it. You're like, the reason you don't see it is because you have all your clothes hanging on that treadmill, right? Or that bill that comes in and like that bill that comes in, it's like that bill is so high and you're like, I don't even know what to do. And so you just kind of stick that bill in a drawer and you just pretend like that that bill isn't there. And that bill keeps coming and those calls keep coming and those creditors keep coming and you're just like, you just take those and you just throw them in the garbage. You're like, it's not there. I don't know about it. You know it's still there. And you know they're not going to stop. And you know eventually it's going to catch up to you. And you know eventually it's going to hurt you. We do this with, I do this with my kids' behavior. It's like, oh, they're fine. They're just ambitious, you know. They're... And we know that there's probably an issue there we've got to deal with. We've got to, you know, talk about. We've got to work through. We do this with our spouses. We do this with our jobs, our coworkers, our bosses. We do a lot, all, a lot of these things where we just, we know there's a problem we know there's a problem and it's not like it's invisible and you keep being reminded and reminded and reminded about it but you choose and I choose willfully to be blind to them. Well, there's some spiritual willful blindness that I think that we have. There's some spiritual willful blindness that we have that I want, I hope, my prayer is is that you Open your eyes to see what God sees. I hope that you don't choose 
to leave here today and continually be, and you know there's an issue and you gotta deal with it, to continually be spiritually, willfully blind when it comes to certain areas. Number one is this, where we sometimes can be willfully blind. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. Oftentimes we forget that Jesus is the source of light and life for everybody. We make something else or someone else our source. Jesus said to this to this to his disciples before he healed the blind man, he says, "While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." Jesus said, "Listen, I don't, you don't be blind to this. Don't turn a blind eye to the fact that Jesus is the source of your life. Nothing else is. Nothing else in this world will bring you, will offer you, will, will bring to you uh, what Jesus can bring to you. Jesus is saying, listen, I am emphatically, I am emphatically the light of this world. It's interesting that Jesus uses the phrase, I am, I am, I am. And Jesus was saying this intentionally. He was given this for a reason. The reason why Jesus uses the phrase, I am, is because he was referring to himself as deity. He was referring to himself as God Almighty. He was referring to himself as one who is self-existent. He was one who is everlasting to everlasting. He was referring to himself as the one who is always, always present. Always present. Where we get that from is a story in the Old Testament from a guy by the name of Moses. You remember this story? God came to Moses through a burning bush while Moses was, you know, working and tending to sheep. And God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to deliver my people out of captivity. I hear their cries. I hear their prayers. I hear their hardships. And Moses, I'm sending you to go and to be the leader for them and to bring them out of captivity. And Moses was starting to come up with a lot of excuses of why he couldn't do that. You remember the story? And Moses is going, listen, I can't, this is, this task is too big. I'm not qualified. I have very little leadership skills. This is such a huge monumental, you know, request. I don't think I can do it. And God is saying, I will go with you. I will go with you. I will go with you. And then Moses said, said this, well, who shall I tell him sent me? Like, you want me to go to Egypt, and you want me to face Pharaoh, and you want to put me in charge of this big, massive task. Who should I say sent me? And, and here's what God's reply was. Tell them, I am that I am. I am that I am. Now, for you and me, you're going, huh? Like, what does that mean? I am that I am. And what that meant to Moses was this. I am God and I am all powerful and I am always present and I will help you with this task. 
that is much bigger than you. So for you and for me, when we say things like, who's gonna help me parent these children? I am. I am. Who's gonna, who's gonna help me forgive that, that person who betrayed me and wronged me and hurt me? Who, who's, gonna, who's gonna give me what I need to forgive that person? I am. I am. I, I've got this medical treatment that I've gotta go through. Man, it's, it's just excruciating. It's hard. It's, I, I don't know how I'm gonna get through it. It's every single time I go in there, I just feel sick. How am I gonna get the strength? Who's gonna give me the strength to get through it. I am. Man, I just, I just have these feelings. I just get these feelings of grief and shame and sorrow and worry. Who's going to help me work through these emotions? I am. I am. Let's not turn a blind eye to the fact that there is a God who is all-powerful and ever-present with you through any single circumstance. And you can go ahead and ask the question, who is gonna help me? The answer is always the same. I am. I've got this addiction that I can't win, I can't beat. It, it keeps calling for me. It keep, I keep going back to it. I keep go. Listen, who's gonna help me get through this stronghold? Say it with me. I am. I am. Let's not turn a blind eye that there's a God who is still. I am that. I am. Number two, our time is limited. You know that? Our time is limited. When the Bible talks about life and the time of our life, it talks about how it's like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. It, when, we, when the Bible talks about time, it says that you're here today and it doesn't say you're gone tomorrow. You know what it says? You're here today and you're gone today. That's, what it, that's basically what it says. You're here today, you're gone today. That's how quick it is. Here's what Jesus reminds his disciples in, within the story of the blind man. We must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. What Jesus is simply impl implying is this. Our time is limited. Now, Jesus was never in a hurry, but Jesus did have urgency because the light of the world was only there a short time and Jesus had a lot to teach them. Jesus had a lot to empower them to do and, and he only had a short window to do it. Listen, that's also true for you. It's also true for you. It felt like yesterday that I was 13. 
Is this true? Like I remember, and sometimes I act 13. And I remember I'm not. I'm in my 40s. Here's what the psalmist said. Lord, let me know my end. And what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. You're the great I am. You're all powerful and you're all knowing. But me and you, transient, we're like, we're moving along. Look what else he says. Behold, you have made my days like hand widths. You have made my days like hand widths. I mean, think about that. Like, look at your hand, okay? Look at your hand. It's like, born, well, let me start over. I had this memorized. Hold on, hold on, one second, one second. Okay, born, college, married, kids, retire, die. Born, college, married, kids, retire, die. Born, college, married, kids, retire, die. I don't know where you fall in that, but that's how long your life is. Hand widths. Hand widths. In my lifetime, as nothing in your sight, certainly all mankind standing is a mere breath. Our time is short. Our days are limited. Moses said it this way. He says, he says hey, Lord, this is a great prayer. This is a great prayer for all of us. Lord, teach me to number my days so that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, help me to remember, help me to remember that my days are numbered so that that gives me the wisdom that I need to live my numbered days. Lord, help me to remember that my days are numbered. So that gives me the, the, the wisdom I need to live my numbered days. Do you ever notice that when you get down to the end of something that you need, there's a sense of urgency to that? For me, it's like oftentimes it's contact solution, right? When I have a full bottle of contact solution, I'm just like, you know, squeezing, like, no big deal. I got all the contact solution in the world. But then when I get down to just a few drops, I'm just like, eh. You're trying to salvage all that you have out of that bottle until you can get a new one, right? It's how, it's how I feel right now and our staff feels about Easter coming up. It's a week away. Like we're going, oh my goodness, there's so much that still has to be done and there's so many volunteers that still have to sign up. Hint, hint. <laughs> hint, hint. We feel like this urgency. Why? Because, because it's, it, our days are numbered one week from, to now, from now, you have invited, you know, dozens and dozens of people to come. And we got to be prepared for that, right? You've invited dozens and dozens of people to come. I'm just dropping Easter eggs right now on you. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. But this is, this is the, our way that we have to think. We have to think in these terms. My time is limited. So with the limited time that I have, I don't want to be blind or turn a blind eye to what is most important in this life. 
I don't want to just stand before God one day, by the way, soon, and say, I didn't really make you the light of my life like I should have. You gave me one shot at this and I made it about myself. I made it about someone else. I made it about something else. I made it about me and I was self-centered and I didn't make it about the mission. And the mission of God is that there are people who are out there that are still blind and they need to see. The mission of God is there are people that are still lost and need to be found. The mission of God is there are still people that are dead in their trespasses and sins and need the life and light of Jesus. That's our mission. That's our mission. And our time, our time, is short. We need some urgency. And Jesus is saying to the guys, hey, it's like a day here. We've got a day. We've got to make this work. And we got to get this guy to a place where he was once blind as a result of his trespasses and sins. And he needs to be obedient to the words of God and put his faith in Jesus so that he can now see. He can see. Let me just give you one more because I'm running out of time. We, we are a testimony of life. You and I are a testimony of life. Like, you tell a story, just like John is writing a story of, of Jesus and Matthew is writing a story of Jesus and Mark is writing Luke. Just like they are writing a story of who Jesus is, you, your life, your life is a testimony. Your life is a story of what Jesus can do. It says this in John 9, 8. So the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Next verse. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? Next verse. He answered, the man who is called Jesus. He hawked a loogie on the ground and he made mud and he spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and now I receive sight. And then they said in verse 12, and they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And I would have wrote if I was John because I was blind. John didn't write that. But if I was a blind man, I would have said, I don't know. I was blind. I heard, this is important. I couldn't see. 
but I heard from somebody who was credible. And I walked by faith and not by sight. And as I walked by faith and not by sight, I was once blind, but now I see. Isn't that our story? I don't know. I don't know. But I know for me, and you, some people have incredible, life-changing, Jesus-changing stories that I'm always envious about. You know, like the stories that start like, I was in prison. And an angel came to me. And he told me that I needed Jesus. Have you ever heard these testimonies before? And you're going, oh man. Like mine is, mine is, I was six at a vacation Bible school <laughs> at a Baptist church. And some preacher said that I needed a savior and I believed him because there was something inside of me that was telling me that I was blind because of my sin. And this credible person told me that I can now see again if I put my faith in Jesus. Listen, I don't know. All I know is when I was six years old, I just walked by faith and not by sight. And God has begun a good work in me and in you. And he's going to see it through. Is that a story, a testimony for anybody else? That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need to know the place, the time, the location, where, who, all you need. You don't even know, you don't need to know any verses. When I was six years old, I didn't need to go to my friends and say, hey, I've got, you know, I, I memorized John 3, 3.16. Do you know that one? You know, I, I just said, I don't know. I met Jesus. I don't know. All I know is that all I know is I was blind. And now I see. And my life is meant to be a testimony. The other day, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Chris, is that you? I said, yeah. They said, you're not fat anymore. The things people tell me and they say to me, I said, thank you? I didn't know I was really that fat, you know, the last time we saw each other. This is, this is awkward. No. They said, oh, I just, I just noticed there was such a difference. I remember you previously, but now I see you now, and there's a radical change. That ought to be, that ought to be our story, right? I knew you previously, and now I see that you're changed. That's our story. That's our story. And you say, no, 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 no. The reason why you see is because now I see. 
The reason you see is because now I see who Jesus is. And he's life changing. And my story is I was lost and now found blind. And now I see dead and now raised to life again. Be that testimony. Be that life into a world that needs to see Jesus. Father, we need you. You are the light of the world. We are blind without you. We are lost without you. We are dead in our sins without you. And you promise us that you are the great I am. Whatever we go through, whatever we experience, we know that you're all powerful and you're ever present with us. Our time is limited. Our time is short. We only have one shot to make this count in our life. And I pray, God, that we are people, every single person in this room, every single person watching online knows not to walk any longer in this life blind, but to put their faith and to put their trust in Jesus as the light of this world and that he can bring them from blindness to sight to see your works in your glory in your fame and let that be our story let that be our testimony of life because that's why you came that's why you were sent that when we believe in you when we put our faith in you when we put our trust in you we can have life in your name And it's the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.